seekers assistance and forgiveness. We seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there's no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there's no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to continue this evening in this series of lectures based upon the tafsir, tafsir al-Qur'an al-Azim, the tafsir of the Qur'an primarily relying upon the explanations and discussion of al-Hafiz ibn Kathir rahimahullah. In this lecture number five, we'd like to discuss the verses from Surah Al-Furqan, chapter 25, verse 63 to 77 which mention more than ten characteristics of sifat of Ibad al-Rahman the worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-Rahman and indeed these particular verses are of the utmost importance since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described those who worship him, his ibad, he describes them with these characteristics. That means that if a person attempts to exemplify or to display in their character and in their behavior in public as well as in private and in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these characteristics, then perhaps they might be entitled to be described as an abd of the ibad of Allah. And before we begin the verses, just quickly, I would like to remind us that al-ibadah is indeed the most important matter. It is the objective for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created His creatures. The purpose of our existence is to worship Allah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنْتِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I have not created the jinn and men except that they worship me. إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Except that they worship me. So the very purpose for our existence, the reason for which we have been created, is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And as some of the scholars of the past and many of the scholars of the present time mentioned the various definitions of al-ibadah and from amongst them perhaps the most comprehensive definition of al-ibadah is that definition which encompasses not only ritual acts such as prayer and fasting but it encompasses every action or speech of a person if they have done it sincerely for the pleasure of Allah and in accordance with the Sharia or the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and whoever does any action not only ritual acts such as pilgrimage 
وخاصة من رمضان ودون charity or sacrificing but every single action and every word that we speak if it is done seeking the pleasure of Allah for the sake of Allah alone and in accordance with what he has legislated in accordance with what he has determined as being good things then all of these things will be included as an act of worship and they are subject to be rewarded as long as the conditions are met so some of the scholars said that al-ibadah it is ismin jamiyan it is a comprehensive word ismin ibadah it is a comprehensive word ismin jamiyan likulli ma yuhibbuhu Allah wa yardah for everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and whatever he is pleased with yani everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves is loved by Allah and Allah is pleased with it then this word ibadah covers it no matter if it is from speech or from actions no matter if it is something that is seen or displayed openly or that which is unseen such as the actions of the heart fear and hope and love and so on so that this word al-ibadah it is um, all-encompassing word everything that is loved by Allah and that which he is pleased with whether our actions or our speech whether openly or secretly so here we begin with the verses the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 63 and these verses are whole section going from verse 63 to 77 from Surah Al-Furqan chapter 25 and the first of them begins وَعِبَادُ Rahman. The servants or the slaves of Ar-Rahman. And Ar-Rahman is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam indicated, Allah has many names from amongst them are many nine, which whoever preserves them and who understands them and acts in accordance with them, they will into paradise. So knowing the names of Allah are indeed of importance. From amongst them are many nine. Whoever guards them and protects them and preserves them and acts in accordance with them, and displays them in their character and their actions and that person is entitled to paradise so we should know the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which they indicate from amongst them is Ar-Rahman Ya'ibad Ar-Rahman the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ar-Rahman Al-Ladina Yamshuna ala al-Ardi Hawna the first of the characteristics of the servants of Allah is that they walk upon the earth with humility with humility, not proud and arrogant, but humble and respectful and in a way that they don't look down on others nor do they allow others to look down on them they are both humble and dignified Hawna وَعِبَادَ الرَّحْمَانَ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ Hawna How do they go amongst the people with this characteristic of home? respectful, dignified, but humble وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ If the جاهلون, جاهلون the people who act ignorantly if they speak to them, address them then they say to them سَلَامًا then they respond to them also in a way that uh, is not unbecoming of the Muslim in a peaceful way, in a dignified way, uh, and with words that don't contain anything 
of disobedience to Allah in them. And if they say kind words to them, even though the Indians may speak to them harshly, but they don't reply to them back with Indians, but they reply to them back with Islam, Salam. Qalu Salama. وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا Salama. And the Jahil, it might be the person, the Jahil, Jahil, it has two meanings. One of them is the opposite of Ilm, the person who doesn't have knowledge. And the other one is the opposite of Hilm, the person who is يعني, not forbearing, the person who is uh, aggressive and impatient and unbecoming in the character. And here, the second meaning is what is intended here, when the people act towards you with ignorance. If the ignorant people speak to you in an ignorant way, you don't respond to them alike, but respond to them with salaman. وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيْتُونَ لِرَبِّهُمْ وَقِيَانَ And the second, or the third of the characteristics of Ibad al-Rahman, the first of them is how they walk in the earth, humble and dignified. The second of them is how they respond when others speak to them harshly or immediately. And the third of them is how they spend their nights. And that is in reference to their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَبِيْتُونَ لِرَبِّهُمْ سُجَّدَ وَقِيَانَ That they spend their nights in sajda and in qiyam, in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, praying to Him and worshiping Him with different types of worship. This is how they spend their night. Or at least part of their night, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that we should not be extremists in whatever we do. He said that I am of those who pray in the night and also I sleep in the night. And I am of those who fast sometimes and I break fast. I am of those who love women. So that no one should be divorcing themselves from women completely, or the opposite. Nor should we be of those who fast every day without breaking fast, not those who spend the whole night in prayer without sleeping. And after he said this to some people who had went to the extremes in these things, he told them what is his way, and that's the way that we should follow. And he said, Man rabida an sunnati falaysa That he is not pleased with my sunnah of moderateness, of moderateness. Who is not pleased with my sunnah? and he is not of me. So, they spend their night in prostration and standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the worship of the Lord of the worlds. وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّ نَصْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمْ And also the characteristics, the fourth of the characteristics of the, the worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or, not only that they supplicate, but more importantly, in this supplication is the indication that they have fear of the azab, the punishment of Jahannam. The Ibad rahman fear azab Jahannam. They have fear of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever fears the punishment of Allah, that fear is reflected in their actions. Whoever fears the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they will try to avoid that which will earn them the punishment. That means that they will try to avoid those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited, and they will try to uh, fulfill whatever He has commanded us with. So here, the first, this is the first of the uh, supplications mentioned of the dua of Ibad rahman The first of them is the dua, رَبَّ نَصْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَحَنَّمْ O oh Allah, turn away from us the punishment of the hellfire. رَبَّنَا اصْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَحَنَّمْ O Allah, turn away from us, keep far away from us, بعيد from us, 
the punishment of the hellfire, and that supplication is meaningless if the person doesn't do the thing that will protect them from the hellfire that is obedience to Allah. So the first dua of Ibadul Rahman, it is an indication of, also an indication of their relationship with Allah, that when they are in need, they ask Him. They ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they supplicate to Him, and here also it indicates the characteristic of fear, the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fear of the punishment of Allah. And the accompanying characteristic of Ibadul Rahman, for fear it is hope. That they fear Allah's punishment and they hope for His reward. I mean, the balance of the mu'min, of the believer, is that they fear Allah's punishment, but also having hope of Allah's reward. They have hope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reward. Then he says concerning this azab jahannam, the punishment of the hellfire, inna azabaha kana gharama. That verily, the punishment of hellfire, it is gharama. Gharama, it means that which sticks to you and stays with you and never separates from you. It is a punishment that you won't be able to escape from it. The person who is placed in the hellfire, they can never escape from it. That punishment will stick to them and it will stay, to the, stay with them, except the believers, the people who died on Tawheed, the people who worshipped Allah in accordance with the revelation of the prophets and messengers who were sent with them, and they died on Tawheed, but they, may, they have committed some things which perhaps they didn't repent from. And for that, on Yom Al-Khiyamah, they will be judged for those things which they committed without repenting from them. Allah may forgive them if He will, but He may punish them. But that punishment will not be eternal. The believers who died until He will come out of the hellfire if Allah punished them justly due to their sins which they died without repenting from. إِنَّا ذَلَهَا كَانَ غَرَامَ إِنَّهَا سَاعَتْ مُسْتَقَرًا وَمُقَامًا And verily this hellfire, Jahannam, it is something evil. As, as a mistakar, as a place of istiqra, the place that you stay in, and as well as muqama, a place of iqama, a place that you may stay in temporarily in. Whichever it may be, it is evil for those who are doing it permanently, and it is evil for those who are only doing it temporarily. Also, from the characteristics, the fifth of the characteristics of Ibadah Rahman, they are, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described them, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لم يصرفوا ولم يقتروا وكان بين ذلك قواما In reference to how we even deal with our worldly life our finance, our wealth, our property how do we use it? how do we dispense of it? how do we dispense of it? is it for us to use it as we will in any way that we like? or are there also rules and regulations and guidelines for the true believers the Ibadah Rahman, those who understand that their purpose in this life is to worship Allah by obeying whatever He has commanded us and, from, and abstaining from that which He has prepared us. And from amongst the things that He commanded us is the manner in which we use our love. وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا They are those who when they spend لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا They are not wasteful. They are spending extravagantly beyond that which is necessary. وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا Nor are they stingy or niggardly. They don't hold back either. But they spend on their our children, on their families, on their relatives, on those who are needy. They spend the army in the way that is proper. And not holding back, but spending freely for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who they are responsible for, as well as those who are in need, though they may not be responsible for them. Lam yusrifu, they are not extravagant. Lam yakturu, nor are they stingy. But they are between that, they are balanced between the two extremes of extravagance and stingy, stinginess. They are balanced between them, 
they have the just, proper balance of spending in the ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has suggested and recommended in refraining uh, or, uh, and, and also not holding back their wealth but um, not being extravagant in it. Also, of the characteristics of Ibad al-Rahman, uh, the next three characteristics perhaps they may be classified as one, but in fact we should classify them as three characteristics, these things that uh, Ibad al-Rahman refrain from, and they are the Akbar al-Kabair, the greatest or the worst or the most severe of the major sins, Akbar al-Kabair, and they are those things which are sinning against the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as well as the rights of any individual, as well as the honor of the people, and these are mentioned in this verse, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ That they do not make supplication or call upon anything ma'Allah. And if they don't call on something as a God or that which should be worshipped, making it equal along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supplicating something instead of Him, that they call on Allah alone and not on anyone or anything besides Him. They don't make anyone as an equal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the right to be called upon. But supplication, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, al-du'a huwa al-ibadah. Al-du'a, supplication is ibadah. And ibadah is for Allah alone. Therefore, they make their supplications to Allah alone, not joining anyone with Him as an associate. That is, they avoid shirk. They avoid shirk. Not only in supplication, but in all forms. Du'a, that means that here du'a represents all types of ibadah. Well, I mean, whether it's supplication or any other type of ibadah, it should be for Allah alone and no one should be joined with Him in it as a part. Shirk is the akbar, the biggest of the kabair, and along with it, وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسِ أَلَّا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسِ They do not kill any soul. أَلَّا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ Which Allah has created إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Except in the case where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed it, yani except by right, that which is legislated in the Sharia. And those are a number of things, and amongst them is that which the Prophet mentioned in authentic hadith, that is, a nafs bin nafs, the one who kills a person because they have killed someone else. Then it's legal for the, the authority in the land to, to support those who someone from amongst their family has been killed, and the person who was the killer, the qatil, should also be killed. This is the taking of the soul, the haq, by right, it is in accordance with the Sharia. And likewise, from amongst those, Azani uh, and Muhsan, the, the person who commits zina, illegal sexual intercourse, while they are in the condition of ihsan, that is, that they are in the condition of marriage, they have been married, they have been married, and yet in spite of that, they commit zina. This person, it is legal and right. To, to kill them, to take their life. This is taking of the soul or taking of the life of a mosque in, in accordance with that which is right. Inside of them is the, uh, the person who abandons Islam, the Islam after having Imam return to Kufr. Kufr, just like the person uh, who, um, the person who uh, commits zina after having been in a condition where they are protected from it, the condition of marriage. Likewise, the person who abandons Islam and Iman and turns to Kufr after they knew it, that person, it is legal that they 
that their life can be taken by the authority, by the state. And these three are mentioned in authentic hadith reported in the Sahih. The Prophet said that no one should take the life of another except in three cases. And he mentioned these three, these three uh, cases. The one who kills another person, the murderer, the one who commits zina after being married, and the one who abandons Islam and turns away from the jama'ah, karakal jama'ah. So, of the characteristics of the Ibad al-Rahman also, is that they don't take the life of any person, except rightfully, in accordance with the Sharia. And the third of these three, Qadair, uh, or major sins, is Walaya's meaning, that they don't commit zina. That they don't commit zina. So these three things are the three things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned as the biggest of major sins, the taking of a life unjustly, uh, and um, supplicating other than Allah, worshiping other than Allah, shirk, and the commission of illegal sexual intercourse. وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَى أَثَامًا And whoever does these things, then they would need a terrible punishment. Athama it is the reward of the person who commits an ifn. The one who commits a sin, the reward that he will receive is afama, a punishment, azab, a terrible punishment, which is defined further in the following verse. As some of the scholars said, the verse following it is the explanation of this verse. That on the day of resurrection, his punishment, the punishment will be doubled for him. It will be multiplied and intensified, and it will be continuous. This is the reward of the people who commit these sins, shirk, and murder, and uh, zina. Whoever does so, they would meet asana, a terrible punishment, which would be doubled for them on the day of resurrection. And they would remain in it. They would remain in it. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا يَخْلُدْ فِيهَا In a state of humiliation. In a state of humiliation, they will remain in the hellfire. And here, the issue of remaining in the hellfire, uh, it is an issue about which there is difference of opinion. And the correct, uh, or perhaps the closest and the best explanation is that those who commit all of these sins, these three that I mentioned here, that they will remain in the hellfire forever. Those who commit shirk along with murder and zina, they will remain in the hellfire forever. Otherwise, uh, those who commit one of them, such as murder or zina, then they would not remain in the hellfire forever if they died on Tawheed. As for the one who commits shirk, then he will remain in the hellfire forever, alone, alone, even by this sin alone. But as for the other two, murder, the person who commits murder, then they would not remain in the hellfire forever if they died on Tawheed, and likewise the one who committed zina. And the second issue related to this is that some of the scholars said that the person who kills a believer intentionally that the person who kills the believer, Muta'amidan, kills the believer intentionally, that they would remain in the hellfire forever, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran. But in the discussion of the tafsir, I think Al Hazrat al Tafsir mentions it, that the meaning of this is with the exception of those who kill the believer intentionally, with the exception of the one who killed the believer intentionally and repented. The one who repented, then Allah accepts the repentance, uh, and this is mentioned in the tafsir. So here the meaning of وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانَ The day of the in the state of humiliation in the hellfire, it means the one who commits three of these sins, all three of them. But as for the one who only commits murder or zina, 
disregard and tawheed and iman, believe in Allah, even though they didn't repent from it, then they may be punished in the hellfire if Allah wills to punish them justly. Or Allah may forgive them, in any case they wouldn't remain in the hellfire forever. Uh, then, in the following verse, verse number 70, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that which is indeed a great news for the believers. It is that which the believers, the true believers who believe in Allah and the promise of Allah, and who know that the wa'ad of Allah, the promise of Allah is true. And we should distinguish between the wa'ad and the wa'id, as the scholars of Sunnah said, that al-wa'ad, or the promise of Allah, it will definitely be fulfilled without any question. Whereas the wa'id, or the threat of Allah, to punish someone for any sin, Allah may punish them, or He may forgive them if He wills. As for the threat of Allah, Allah may forgive the person if He wills, and He may not punish them with that which He threatened them with. But as for the wa'ad of Allah, the promise to, to reward somebody for being good, Allah will never turn back from His promise. So the wa'ad of Allah is true, it will definitely be fulfilled, and here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that another characteristic of the Ibad al-Rahman is a tawbah, repentance. And here he says in reference to those who committed sins, these that are mentioned here as well as others, that um, this punishment that they are expecting to receive, uh, especially these that are mentioned here, that they would receive a multiplication or intensification of their reward and remain in the hell forever, the exception to this is for those who repent. Except those who turn back from their sin and avoid it and leave it, turn away from their sin with the conditions of a tawbah, that is, feeling remorse for what they have done, leaving that thing immediately and making the firm determination not to go back to it, not to go back to it. If the person makes sincere repentance, then they are accepted from this. Then this, they will be exempted from that which I mentioned in the previous verse, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Except those who repented, and then they believed, and then they did righteous deeds, and the deeds that are considered to be good by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as, as, as in accordance with that which is mentioned in the Qur'an or in the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the exception to this terrible punishment is those who repent, and then they believe, and then they do good deeds. And repentance along with Iman, and along with the doing of good deeds. And they should follow up their repentance with uh, reaffirming the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because sin is a defect, it is a violation of Iman. To, to, to a disobedience act of disobedience to Allah is a violation of our Iman. So the person should repent, turn away from their action, and reaffirm their Iman, and then do righteous deeds. For these, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the promise, the great promise, فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلَ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنًا فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلَ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنًا But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will exchange سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ the evil deeds with حَسَنًا حَسَنًا with good deeds. يعني سبحان الله here the mercy and bounty of Allah is displayed as first. The person who committed sins but they repented from it and affirmed their belief and did good deeds and showing that their repentance is really sincere, it is a tawbah and nasuha, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to them in like, with more than what they have done by exchanging their evil deeds 
with good deeds. And the scholars differ about the tabdeel, how is the tabdeel, and Al-Hazid ibn Kathir mentions a number of opinions in the original, in the original text of the Tafsir ibn Kathir, and in this summarized version, not all of those opinions are mentioned, but the essence of his discussion in the original text is that there are primarily two main divisions of the opinions of the scholars concerning tabdeel, as-sayyat bil-hasanat, and that is, some of them said that it will take place in this world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after a person did evil deeds if they turn back from it and repent it sincerely and then believe in good and do good deeds Allah will give them the tawfiq He will give them the tawfiq to do many many good deeds to replace the evil that they did before so that their good deeds will overcome their evil deeds yeah, and He will replace that which they used to do of evil with the doing of good deeds He will replace their kufr with iman He will replace their fisk يعني لا إمرارتي بالطاعة and so on like this to replace that which they used to do in this world of evil with the doing now of that which is good and the other scholars said that the replacement of evil deeds with good deeds is in the akhirah in the next life that is the one kiyama when they when their deeds are presented to them and they see their deeds that they are many many evil deeds and below them their good deeds then when they look again the evil deeds will be gone they will be replaced Allah will replace them, those evil deeds which they did, and they will record it against them, Allah will let them see it, and then He would replace it, He will replace it with good deeds, that is He will put in the place of every evil deed a good deed in His place, and some of the scholars said that this is because for their evil deeds they repented, so repentance is a good deed, and then they followed that repentance with Iman and Amal al and those are good deeds, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will erase their evil deeds, and replace them with good deeds due to their sincere repentance. So here, this is the great promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He would exchange the person who sincerely repents. And this definitely includes those people who are on kufr or shirk. And then they left kufr and they embraced Islam. That is indeed a turning back from the evil and affirming Iman in Allah and then doing of good deeds after kufr and shirk then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that whatever they did of evil, it will be replaced by good. And the hadith concerning this, the hadith concerning this, many al-Hazim Kathir mentioned some of them, some of them are authentic and some of them are not authentic. But in any case, the ones which are authentic are sufficient to show the greatness of the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person who did many, many evil deeds, then they will all be erased and replaced with good deeds to the extent that a person, as the Prophet said, would wish, would be looking for the other, the other bad deeds. When Allah started replacing the evil deeds with good deeds, then they would say, but I had some more evil deeds that you didn't, uh, didn't uh, <laughs> take into account here to replace them also with good deeds. And this is recorded in the hadith of the Prophet In any case, this is the exchange of evil deeds for good deeds. Allah Rahima. And here are some of the sifat of Allah, of forgiveness and mercy are mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Rafur, He is forgiven and He is Rahim, He is merciful. And He forgives those who turn to Him in repentance and He is merciful to the believers. Then uh, after this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reaffirms uh, the Tawbah and the importance of Tawbah and that whoever turns to Him, He turns to them. فمن تاب وعمل الصالحة فإنه يتوب إلى الله متابا 
That is that whoever repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then follows the repentance with the doing of good deeds, then that person indeed has turned to Allah with true repentance. The one who repents who turns away from the evil and then replaces that evil with good deeds, فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ And he has indeed repented to Allah matabah and with sincere repentance. This is the true repentance, the person who turns away from the evil and then replaces the doing of evil deeds with good deeds. Then uh, he mentions the next sifa or characteristic of Ibad rahman the tenth characteristic of the worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْحَدُونَ الزُّورِ Those who do not witness الزُّورِ the unfalsehood and as Al-Hafid ibn Kathir mentions from the songs of the scholars الزُّورِ it is Al-Kadib lying Al-Fisq immorality Kufr disbelief Al-Nagru any type of thing that is useless or vain, whether in speech or in actions, well battle, that which is false, falsehood of all types. And here, Al-Hazim Kathir mentioned that from amongst the things of the scholars, that Al-Zur, it includes all of these things, lying and immorality and disbelief and vanity, as well as all types of falsehood. So he said that as the characteristic of Ibad al-Rahman, لا يشهدون الزور and the opinion of Al-Hafid al-Kathir concerning Al-Zur and most opinions of the scholars is that it means that they don't attend they don't witness Al-Zur means that they don't sit in those places where falsehood or lying or kufr or whatever is taking place they don't sit in those places and the proof of this he said is the following verse وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا كِرَامًا that if they pass by any lovely, any kind of falsehood in speech or in actions, when they pass by it, that they pass by kiraman, that is honor and dignity. Their honor and their dignity is being maintained by their avoidance of all kinds of falsehood around them. Their avoidance, they stay away from it in order to protect their honor. So here he said that this, this, the continuation of this verse is the proof that Shahada here, it means witnessing or being present for Azur. And, and an example of that is that if they pass by Al-Lagu, which is one of the types of Azur, if they pass by Al-Lagu, then they keep on going. That they don't sit amongst those people, they don't stay in their presence where falsehood is taking place. And then he mentions the 11th characteristic of Ibad Rahman, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ لَمْ يَخِرُوا عَلَيْهَا سُنًّا وَعُمْيَانًا That from all the characteristics is that whenever they are reminded by the ayats of Allah, the verses of the Lord, then they don't fall down as the person who is deaf or the person who is blind, who doesn't hear the reminder when it comes to them and who doesn't see the truth when it's brought to them, but in fact they actually respond to it. And the characteristic of Ibad Rahman when they are reminded, إِذَا ذُكِرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ When they are reminded of the signs of their Lord, when they are called to that which is right and true, when they are reminded of that which Allah has prohibited, they don't turn away, but they respond to it. They hear it, and they acknowledge it, and they act in accordance with it. And the next characteristic of the Ibad al-Rahman, وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا حَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَادِنَا لِذُرِّيَّاتِنَا كُرَّاتَ عَيْنٍ 
that they supplicate to Allah with the supplication, which is the supplication to others. But they are, this is one of the characters of Abu Rahman, that they are concerned about good for others. That in this sub- second supplication of the Ibad al-Rahman, that they are supplicating for their wives and their offspring, or their friends or their companions, or whoever is being close to them, whether those who are present with them, or the Riyatim, the Amir may also be, be the offspring of the future. That they supplicate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meet them. رَبَّنَا حَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَاتِنَا كُرَّاتَ عَيُونِينَ Meet them of those who are pleasing to our eyes. That those who are pleasing to our eyes, it means meet them of those who are willing to you, those who worship you, those who act in accordance with that which is pleasing to you. Because anyone who feeds in their children or in their spouse or in their uh, relatives or their friends, that which indicates that they are in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshiping and obeying Him, and this is what is pleasing to the believer. What is more pleasing to the believer than to see their spouse or to see their children or their relatives or their friends in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the thing that is pleasing to the eye. It is that our families and our children and our friends and our relatives, that they should be pleasing to our eyes by being pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the twelfth characteristic, وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَانًا And to make us for the muttaqin, the people of taqwa, the people who fear Allah and worship and obey Him alone, make us imams or models or examples, those who will be an example that others will follow, or those who are the guides who call people to right and truth. That make us of those who are imams. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the reward of those who supplicate as such, who are concerned about others to the extent that they pray for them, that they will be pleasing to their eyes in the worship of Allah, and that they themselves will be guides that, that will call to the truth, or they will be examples that will be followed in the right way, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the reward for them, أُولَٰئِكَ يُجَرْدَوْنَ الْغُرْفَةَ بِمَا صَبَرُوا That these are those who will be rewarded with al-ghurfa, it is a high place, as some of the scholars said, the highest place in paradise, or the high places in paradise, bina sabaru, because of their sabr, and this is the 14th characteristic of the Ibad al-Rahman, as sabr, that they are patient in obedience to Allah, they are patient in those things which Allah has ordered them to do, they patiently follow them, and they are also patient in avoiding that which Allah has, has prohibited us, they are also patient in avoiding the things which are prohibited, and they are also patient in that which Allah has decreed for them, yani the qadr of Allah, when something is decreed for them that's distasteful or painful, they are also patient in the face of calamities. So sabr is also one of the sifat of Ibad al-Rahman, and they have al-Zurfa, yani high place in paradise, وَيُلَقَّوْنَ فِيهَا تَحِيَّةً وَسَلَامًا And they meet in that place in paradise, تَحِيَّةً means وَسَلَامًا and the means of peace, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا abiding in it forever, staying in the paradise, never to go out from it, حَسُمَتْ مُسْتَقَرًّا وَمُقَامًا And good will be that place for them as a مُسْتَقَرْ and as a place of يعني permanence or a مُقَامًا a place where they stay يعني a resting place. In any case, it will be good for them. Then he closes with a warning to the disbelievers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that my Lord, Rabbi, he is not concerned and he will not even look at you or be attentive to you in any way 
du'aukum. If it wasn't for your du'a, if it wasn't for your supplication, if it wasn't for your ibadah. Because the very purpose for which the human beings have been created is ibadah. If not for ibadah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't even look and has no need or any concern about his creatures, except that they worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَقَدْ كَذَّبْتُمْ فَسَوْفَ يَكُونَ لِزَامًا Indeed you have denied the truth. This is addressed to the disbelievers. Indeed you have denied the truth and rejected the truth and you have refused to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that worship is the only reason for which Allah would even listen to you or give any attention to you. فَسَوْفَ يَكُونَ لِزَامًا So indeed the punishment, it will be لِزَامًا It will be sticking to you. It will never يعني, be separated from you. You will be without fire permanently. Uh, because of the lack of time, it's difficult to explain a number of other points that um, should be mentioned. So, from amongst those things which we will skip this evening is the discussion of some of the linguistic meanings of some of the words. Uh, perhaps, yeah, I mean, in some other way, we may be able to mention them. Uh, from amongst that which Al Hafiz al Kafir mentions in the Tafsir. Uh, quickly from the, the, the Mukhtasar or the summary that we are working with, uh, he mentions that from amongst the attributes of the servants or the characteristics of the servants of the most gracious, that is Ar-Rahman, is that they are those who walk on the earth hawna, with humility, not with arrogance and pride. Now, as mentioned in another verse in the Quran, that uh, they do not walk on the earth with conceit and arrogance. Uh, then he also mentions uh, that which is mentioned by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a hadith reported by al-Bukhari that uh, al-Hawm it means serenity and dignity and this he understood from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and saying of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam فَلَا تَأْتُوهَا وَأَنْتُمْ تَسْعَوْنَ But if you come to the prayer don't come hastily or rushing وَأَتُوهَا وَعَلَيْكُمْ السَّكِينَةِ But you should come while you're in a calm state, a state of tranquility فَمَا أَدْرَكْتُمْ مِنْهَا فَصَلُّوا وَمَا فَاتَكُمْ أو وَمَا فَاتَكُمْ فَاتَكُمْ فَأَتِمُّهَا أو فَأَتِمُّهَا Then whatever, I mean, when you get to the prayer without hasting, hastily, rushing hastily whichever rafa of the prayer you reach, then pray that which you quote the imam in and whatever you missed Yani which uh, has passed you by because of your lateness, then you should make it up later. Then he said, for the most characteristics is that when the foolish address them, they say, Salama. When you say you people insulting with bad words, they do not respond in kind, but they forgive and overlook and say nothing but great words. And this is what the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi did. The more ignorant the people, the more patient he would be. And this is as Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said, فَإِذَا سَمِعُوا اللَّغْوَ أَعْرَضُوا عَنْهُ That when you hear اللَّغْوَ even a main talk, then you should withdraw from it. Here, Al-Hazim Kathir mentions a hadith reported by Al-Imam Ahmed that uh, even though in the original text of the Mukhtasa that this was translated from the hadith is there, for some reason the hadith was skipped um, and he went directly into the next characteristic that is that they spend their night in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Prostration in prostration and standing, that is worshiping and obeying him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he mentioned verses as yani support of this, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in chapter 51, verses 17 and 18, 
that they sleep little by night and in the hours before dawn they are asking for Allah's forgiveness that means that the believers they used to stay up in the night worshiping Allah and supplicating Him and also the same Allah in chapter 32 verse 16 تَتَجَافَ جُنُوبُهُمْ عَنِ النَّغَاجِعِ that their sides forsake their bed that is that they didn't used to sleep much in the night then uh, he mentions the characteristic of their supplication, I mean, the dua of the Ibadul Rahman, which is the invitation of the fear of the punishment of Allah, um, that they used to supplicate, and it is a supplication that should be used by the believers regular and often. Rabbana nasrif anna azama jahannam. Rabbana asrif anna azama jahannam. Oh, our Lord, turn away from us the punishment. As far as punishment is ever an inseparable punishment, meaning that it is ever present and never ending. Then uh, we mention concerning the hellfire that it is even indeed as an abode and a place of rest, which means how evil it looks as a place. And even Kafir said the meaning of this is that it is evil to look at as a place and as well it is evil to dwell in it. Then he mentions concerning the spending that they are those who are neither extravagant nor stingy and they have the balance in the spending on their families or whatever they spend that they have the balance between extravagance and being of those who hold back but they are moderate in between. Then he mentions the next group of verses uh, the next verses which deal with the avoidance of shirk and murder and zina, one of the major, the, the worst of the major sins, and under this he mentions a hadith reported by Al-Imam Ahmed on the authority of Abdul ibn Mas'ud, رضي الله عنه, may Allah be pleased with him, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked which sin is the most serious, and he said it is to appoint or to make something as an equal or liable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while He has created you. And to make something as a need and equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while He is the one only, He is the only one who created you. Therefore, how can you make someone or something equal? And then after that He said that it is to kill your child for fear that they may eat with you and for fear of poverty out of greed that a person kills their children and commits abortion. This is Then Abdul ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu after mentioning this statement he says then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed confirming this statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these verses that uh, they don't make shirk as the Ani and that they don't commit zina and that they don't kill someone unjustly. He said that these verses were revealed in reference to this hadith of the Prophet This was recorded by Al-Nasai and also by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Um, we mentioned a number of verses also related um, to yani, this, the, the fact that Anyone, no matter whatever sins that they committed, they should never give a hope, but they should always be ready to turn back to Allah and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts repentance and from those verses of hope 
قد بليغ من نار وسم بذلك كميرد إذ بسيني والله سبحانه وتعالى كل يا عبادي الذين أسلفوا على أنفسهم يعني say all my servants who have transgressed يعني beyond the bounds transgressed against themselves by committing acts of disobedience to Allah uh, and this is a verse of hope for the believers and then he says يعني what will be the end of those who committed sins such as shirk and zina fornication uh, that that they would be punished he said some of the people were the scholars that athama is the valley in hell and some of them said that it is valleys in hell in which those who commit unlawful sexual acts would be punished uh, and some of them said that it is punishment agrees with the last opinion he said that this one is the one which is closer to the apparent meaning of the, of the verse and this interpretation makes it interchangeable with what comes after it that is the following verse verse يضاعف له العذاب يوم القيامة يعني that أثامة means punishment and that punishment will be doubled for him on the day of resurrection or it will be repetitive or intensified يعني that, that these are interpretations of one another that's what he means here and this one uh, that makes it the last interpretation that it is punishment makes it interchangeable with what comes next. Yani that which comes next is that the punishment will be doubled for him on Yom Qiyamah. And that he will remain in it yani in disgrace. Uh, except those who repent and who believe and who do good deeds, and these are the conditions yani for the exception to that punishment that they have to make tawbah and they have to have iman and then they have to do good deeds. And then he says, except those who repent, repent illa man taba, that is, those who repent in this world to Allah from all those deeds, then for them, for them, Allah will accept their repentance. And whoever repents from those things while they are living, and Allah accepts their repentance, and they will be accept, exempt, exempted or accepted from that promise that they will be in the punishment remaining in disgrace or humiliation. And this is evidence here, he says, this is evidence of another issue that the repentance of the murderer is acceptable. Uh, and there is no contradiction or conflict between this and the verse in Surah Al-Nisa وَمَنْ يَقْتُلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا Then whoever kills a believer intentionally فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمُ خَالِدًا فِيهَا His reward will be the hellfire remaining in it forever This is in Surah Al-Nisa And Hafiz Ibn Kathir says that there is no contradiction between this verse Whoever kills a believer intentionally that he will remain forever in the hellfire And the other verse Except those who repent and believe and do good deeds, because the verse under discussion in Surah Al-Furqan, it is an exception to this. This is a general verse that they will remain in hellfire for everyone who kills and believes intentionally, and the verse in Surah Al-Furqan is uh, an explanation or clarification or redefining or restriction of that general meaning, making it restricted to those who don't repent. But as for those who repent, they are excluded from it, and it says that. This is so, even though the verse of Surah Al-Nisa, um, even though this was revealed in Medina, um, no, the verse of Surah Al-Nisa was revealed in Medina, but it is general, it is general, and actually the word he used here is mutlaq, and mutlaq means unrestricted, undefined, and it's a statement that's not defined by anything, it's a general statement now, but the real meaning of it, that it's not restricted or defined by anything, therefore we leave it open. That whoever kills a believer, mutaamidan intentionally, then he will be rewarded with hellfire remaining forever. Then the other verse in Surah Furqan is muqayyid. It is a restricted verse, and therefore the mutlaq, 
the unrestricted verse should be understood in light of the muqayyad, the restrictive verse. Therefore, the one who kills a believer intentionally remains hellfire forever, it is unrestricted, but it became understood. We understand in light of the restrictive verse, the muqayyad, that is, the one who sort of fuqan, that whoever repents, we understand that that person remains in hellfire except if the person repents before they die, then they will not remain in the hellfire forever, they will be yani, accepted from this. So this is the rule of al-mutlaq al-muqayyid. Al-mutlaq al-muqayyid, it's a rule in the school of fiqh, that whatever is given as a mutlaq, the yani, unrestricted meaning, if another verse or evidence came which is muqayyid, restricted meaning, which restricts that meaning. The first one which is open, al-mutlaq, is to be restricted and understood by the one which is muqayyid, which is defined or restrictive. And also a proof that this verse of Surah Al-Nisa is not applicable and the mutlaqan that it's restrictive is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah doesn't forgive whoever commits shirk but he forgives anything less than that to whomever he wills. And that means that also the one who kills the believer intentionally Allah may forgive them if he wills. And especially if they repented before they died with sincere repentance, Allah accepts sincere repentance. And even if they didn't repent, Allah may forgive them if He wills. The only thing He doesn't forgive is shirk. And then He says that there is also that which proves this in the authentic Sunnah, um, the story of the man who killed 100 men, and then He repented, and Allah accepted His repentance, and there are other proofs likewise. Then He says, the Tabdeel, Fa'ulaika, Nibadid Allah, Sayyatun Hasanat that these people who repented and believed and did good deeds that Allah will exchange their evil deeds for good deeds for sure Allah is forgiving and merciful here he mentions the hadith reported by Imam Ahmed on the authority of Abu Dhar Rabbi Allah who said that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that I know the one will be the last person of the Ahlul Nah the last person of the Ahlul Nah Khurujan Min Nah the last person who will be the people who will enter the fire and who will come out of it. The last of them, the last person who will be taken out of the hellfire from amongst the believers who committed sins for which they should be punished. And I know the last person of the people of paradise who will enter it. The last person who will enter the paradise, after all the other people entered, he said that a man will be brought and his major sins will be removed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, uh, ask him only about his minor sins. Then it will be said to him, You have done such and such. Amita Yana Kaba. And in such and such a day you did such and such. Every one of his sins being mentioned, yeah, and specifically. And then that person will say, Ma'am, Walayastatir and Yunkir Mundalika Shayam. He will agree to everything that was mentioned of his minor sins, while his major sins have been removed. فَيُقَالَ فَإِنَّ لَكَ بِكُلِّ سَيَّةٍ حَسَنًا When it would be said to him, for every one of your evil sins that was mentioned to him, that you confessed to, that you agreed you couldn't deny, for every one of them, it would be, you would be given a حَسَنًا, a good deed. فَيَقُولُ Then that person will say, يَا رَبْ عَمَلْتُ أَشْيَاءَ لَا أَرَاهَا هَاهُنَا He will say, oh my Lord, but I did a lot of things, which I don't see here. And which you haven't brought forth, and I reckon, now he wants to bring it forth, and he found out that the evil deeds will be replaced by good deeds. And this hadith is also reported by Imam Muslim. And it is Sahih. And he mentions uh, that Abu Zar radiallahu anhu said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at that time when mentioning these words of that man, what he would say, 
the Prophet smiled so broadly that his molar teeth could be seen. Then he mentioned another hadith which we have mentioned here in the footnote. This hadith is recorded in Abi Hatim and also Abdur al Manfur, that is the Imam al Siyuti. And he says that this narration is not authentic. Yani the following narration, one following this one by Ibn Abi Hatim, the quote of Abu Jabir, he said that that hadith is not authentic. Allahu alam, I don't know if it's authentic or not. But in the original Arabic text that this translation came from, it's not mentioned there that it's not authentic, nor that it is authentic. But in any case, even if it's unauthentic, as Ibn Kathir, Allah mentioned in this section, he mentioned a lot of hadith, and he said that, uh, that from amongst them, are many hadith which are confirmed in the Sunnah and many reports from the Sahaba and Tabi'een uh, which are also authentic and then he mentioned the hadith of Imam Muslim from Abu Dhar which we just read and then he mentioned the following hadith which um, the translators here have said is unauthentic in any case there are some authentic hadith related to this topic and some which are unauthentic uh, then he says وَمَنْ تَعْبَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَتَعْبَةً Who repents and does righteous deeds, then indeed he has repented to Allah Mata'ala. The only is a true repentance. Then uh, he mentions the next section of verses uh, the bearing witness of Zuhr and when they pass by level, they pass by with honor and dignity, and when they are reminded of the verses of Allah, that they don't fall down as a person who doesn't hear and a person who doesn't see, and, and the supplication that they pray for their wives or their companions and associates and their offspring and their children, that they be pleasing to their eyes and to make them imams for the muttaqeen. These are also some of the characteristics of the Ibad al-Rahman. And he mentions here, yani the meaning of Azur, that it means um, they do not bear witness to falsehood, and this includes lies, immorality, disbelief, foul speech, and false words, or falsehood actually, and bottle. Um, he said that some of the scholars said that this means, this refers to the gatherings of sexual immorality, um, and also some said that it means giving false testimony, that the person, the believers, they shouldn't give false testimony, which means lying deliberately to someone else. Nor should they, nor should they witness it, yani, as the Kafir says, that the more correct meaning of this verse is that they shouldn't be present when these things are taking place. And then he mentions the hadith of the Prophet Wasallam, where he said, Shall I not tell you of the greatest of major sins, Akbar al-Kabair? And he said, it is to make shirk with Allah, and it is disobeying parents, and then after that he said, that is false speech, and bearing witness to falsehood. He said he kept repeating it until he thought good that he would stop, and he wished that the Prophet would have stopped. From this, from the context, it seems that what is meant by those who do not witness falsehood, do not bear witness to falsehood, is that those who do not attend it, or not present when it happens. And this means that a believer should avoid places where falsehood and corruption and immorality is taking place. As in some of the hadith, the Prophet said the believer shouldn't sit at a table where people are served alcohol, even if that person isn't drinking it. But also they shouldn't be present in such places. They shouldn't be present in the places of the people of innovation or where shirk or any kind of wrongdoing or sin is taking place. And if they do not attend where falsehood occurs, and if it so happens that they pass by it, 
then they do not let it contaminate them in the slightest way, yani, but they pass by with dignity. Perhaps we can summarize the remaining after the Adhan. The following that which remains, perhaps, um, we can just uh, attempt to mention if there are some things that are completely different from what has already been mentioned. Prophet 
and that the test went to others and not to you. Yani, we should be thankful to Allah and subhanahu wa ta'ala that He blessed us to be believers and to accept this message and to follow it even though we were not in the time of the Prophet uh, and many amongst those who witnessed him and were present at that time disbelieved. And then he goes on to say something also which is very important and this is in relation to the concern and care of believers for others, especially their loved ones. He said that at that time the criterion was brought for Furqan, which distinguishes truth from falsehood, and which was separated father from his son, and man will realize that his father's son or brother was a disbeliever. And a person who didn't accept the truth, he realized it. And since Allah opened his heart to faith, he knew that if his relative died in that condition of disbelief, he would go to hell. So he could not rest knowing that his loved one was in the fire. And this is what he referred to in the verse. والذين يقولون ربنا حملنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرات عينهم and those who say our Lord bestow on us from our wives and our offspring the comfort of our eyes and it's the concern that a Muslim a believer should have for their relatives their family members those who are close to them who are not believers that we should ask Allah to make them and those who be pleasing to our eyes there is those who are worshipping him and every believer should be concerned about those who are new to them those who are loved by them well, if they are not from amongst the believers, that Allah saved them, because if they die in that condition, they will definitely be in the hellfire. Please say, make us of those uh, as imams, falamuttaqeen, and some of them said it means leaders will be taken as good examples or examples of good, and others said it is guides who will call others to goodness. And most of these meanings are similar. And then he mentions the hadith of the Prophet in which when a person dies, all of the beings will be cut off and set free. A righteous child who supplicates for them, or knowledge that benefits others after them, or unknown charity. And then he mentions the last verses of this section, uh, that these people will be rewarded with a reward for a high place in paradise due to their patience, and that they will meet their endearings of peace, and that they will remain in forever. Uh, and the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the disbelievers, I mean, or what we should say to the disbelievers, those who did not worship him, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pays no attention to them. It is only due to their invocation, meaning their worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he pays an attention to them, but since they denied and rejected, so the torment will be theirs forever. I mean, it will be a permanent examine, something, a punishment that would stick to them. This is the end of Surah Al-Furqan. Uh, just quickly, some of the points that Sheikh Abu Bakr Jaza'i mentioned concerning this, and we close with this, the questions you can look at on your own, but the benefits that he mentioned from, the, from these verses, he said, clarification of the characteristics of the servants of Allah. The second, the excellence of humility and humbleness and dignity, walking with dignity. The third of them, uh, the merit or the excellence of Responding to evil with good. The, the fourth of them, the excellence of praying in the night and fearing the punishment of the hellfire. The fifth of them, the excellence of balance and moderateness in spending. The sixth of them, the prohibition of shirk and killing someone unjustly and zina. And these are the ummahat al-kabair. These are the things that lead to other sins. The mother, the mother or the source of Kada'a made the sins. The seventh of them is that Tawbah, sincere repentance removes whatever came before it. And therefore we encourage 
to make tawbah and that this tawbah is accepted as long as death doesn't actually reach the person when it's a pain of the actual death when the soul is being taken from the body the tawbah doesn't benefit the next of them is the prohibition of witnessing or attending evil or falsehood or the places where it is present or witnessing giving false witness against someone the next of them is the excellence of turning away from a level or, or vain uh, action or vain speech whether of either type it may be turning away from it and not responding to it the next of them is the excellence of reflecting, reflecting on the Quran and listening carefully to its recitation and responding to that which is contained in its message and acting upon it so this is understood from the fact that when they hear the sounds of Allah they don't turn away from it deaf and blind the, the, the next of them is the excellence of having high hope and being spirited yani in seeking that which is right and, and seeking to be an example of good yani asking to be an imam or one of the leaders or the guides of the people of Taqwa and the last of them is that there is no value to a human being and the human being is the most honored of all animals or all creatures but there is no value to the human being if not for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم